Have you been given an IBS diagnosis, aka irritable bowel syndrome, or do you struggle with constant bloating, fatigue and gut issues that you can't seem to find the trigger for? If you're nodding your head, then I have just the thing for you. Did you know that one in five people are dealing with constant gut issues? And to be honest, I'm tired of the way we approach these with a medical view in mind without looking for the root causes. To empower and educate women on a larger scale to overcome bloating, fatigue and irregular bowel movements, I've created a six-week online gut solution. It actually is titled The Gut Health Solution and it is a nutrition-based program starting in October for women who are ready to overcome bloating, fatigue and irregular bowel movements. Working with a gut health nutritionist, myself, Sheridan, and in a supportive group of similar like-minded women, you're going to get the confidence you need to remove and introduce foods that are harming your gut to find solutions for your bloating and to start cooking delicious recipes that nourish and heal your body. But spots are limited, so jump to the show notes, my website, SheridanDecker.com, or find me on Instagram, Sheridan underscore functional nutrition, to get on the pre-sale list today. Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain, and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Today, I have the privilege of speaking to Jennifer Fugo, a clinical nutritionist empowering adults who have been failed by the conventional medicine, so I think that's a lot of us, to beat, overcome chronic skin issues and unending gut challenges. So Jen actually hosts one of my favorite podcasts, The Healthy Skin Show, and also works one-on-one with clients, which you can find more about on her website, www.skinterrupt.com. Jen holds our master's degrees in human nutrition, which is actually the same as me, but different universities. So University of Bridgeport and is a licensed dietitian, nutritionist and certified nutrition specialist. So she works with a lot of conditions, but she has experience working with conditions such as eczema, psoriasis, rosacea, dandruff, hives. But to be honest, if I listen to your podcast, there's so many more things going on there because the skin, as we know, is, you know, it reflects what's going on within the gut. So thank you so much for being here. It's a dream come true to have you on my show after listening to you for so, so long. So yeah, thanks so much for being here, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting. And it took us forever to get this date figured out because of the time zone difference, but I'm glad that we were able to. Yes, yes, exactly. So you obviously didn't start out as this amazing practitioner, but like most of us, you were actually a patient. Can you tell us a little bit more about your story or what got you where you are today? Yes, absolutely. So I um, decided back in, I guess, the late 2000s to um, transition away from just like helping my dad, who was a medical doctor in his practice, uh, to kind of being a little bit more in the health and wellness space. And so I became a health coach. And I realized very quickly that 
while I had my own health issues and gut issues and all sorts of things, it wasn't truly what I was passionate about. And so I decided to go back to school for a master's degree in in human nutrition. And while I was in school, I actually, I would say out of the blue, started to notice that I had these like clear beads under the skin of my, my, actually my middle right finger on the palm side. And I, I, I was like, what is that? And, um, with time, and I don't know what exactly triggered it, but that started to become really itchy. It started to burn the little clear beads burst open and it became this horrific, awful rash. And, um, after probably about a week, it began to subside and, and the skin dried out and, and, um, it began to like kind of crack and then eventually heal. And then that process would start again. And so I went to my dad and I was like, dad, I don't know what's going on here. Are these just like some, I don't know if I have a, 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 some issue. I don't know what this is. And he gave me a steroid cream and said, look, it's probably some sort of eczema. Just be careful how much of the steroid cream you use, just use it sparingly and as little as possible. And so over the course of several months, it just kept getting worse. And the rash began to spread down the palm of my hand, up the sides of the fingers. Um, eventually it spread onto the back of the fingers and started to impact my nails. And unfortunately they didn't look all that nice either. And so, um, I went to the dermatologist and they really didn't have any answers from me. You know, I'd been gluten, dairy and egg free for six years at that point. And she was like, Oh, that's cute. (laughs) Um, You know, and then she told me to put, I don't know if it's called the same thing in Australia, but Vaseline on my hands so that it would keep the moisture in when like they would dry out. And I'm like, well, I don't know how I'm supposed to function. I'm going to have Vaseline all over my house, my clothes, everything like that's not practical. And I wouldn't want to use Vaseline. And so I felt very frustrated and it got to the point where I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't wash my hands. I couldn't wash my hair. I couldn't touch water, like just water because it burned so badly. Um, In the summertime, I'd have this vicious cycle going on. And then the wintertime, the skin would dry out and would become so fragile and delicate that every time I would go to like, you know, bend my fingers or something, it would crack. And I felt like I just had all these paper cuts everywhere. It was so painful. And so really my interest was selfish (laughs) to get into this. It was because I just wanted it to stop. And I did not want to have to keep using steroid creams to get it to stop. Um, And my process, which I I couldn't even tell you what I did because I don't even think it made any sense. And I, I feel really lucky that it, that it did at the time eventually stop this flare cycle and my nails grew back out. Um, but I came to discover a lot of things that I never heard about before. I never heard a dermatologist talk about, I didn't read in any of the like, you know, WebMD or any of these like online big websites And um, when my hands cleared up, I realized that there were a lot of people out there who probably needed to hear the same information that I had discovered. And that was the impetus to start this was to hand people back this. um, It's not it is power to some degree. I don't know if it's control, because I think we like to control the things that we feel like when your skin is constantly messed up, you feel very out of control. But there has to be a better way to do this, 
right? There have to be better answers and more answers than just it's genetic or you just have inflammation and we don't know why. I mean, I just don't feel like those are good answers. And so that was the inspiration to not leave people behind. I wouldn't say at this point in time that I know everything. I don't, I don't have all the answers. Um, I'm doing my best, but I love to share. I'm so passionate about it. And that was why I had started my website, Skin Interrupt, to really interrupt the conversation that we're having about skin that is not working. And then I started the Healthy Skin Show and we're close to, at the time of this recording, 200 episodes. Wow. 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 There's so many um, like yes moments. I just keep wanting to interrupt you and go, yes, yes, yes. Like there's so, I just, I love that. I love that. You know, I, I mean, I hate that you went through it, but I love how much it's pushed you to do what you do. And I feel like honestly, that makes the best practitioners because I was the same with all my gut stuff and missing periods and, you know, all that pain. And that's made me go, no, there's got to be a better answer. There's got to be solutions. And then seeing that come from you and how passionate you are about what you do and it keeps pushing you then because then you see people with different skin conditions so then you learn something else or you adjust your treatment slightly or you come across another person who listens to your podcast and goes what I didn't know I didn't have to live with this eczema or with these skin rashes or yeah it's like you said it's 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 probably it's empowering it's it's pushing people to go hey this is what's actually going on with our health. So what gave you the answers to your skin when you started digging into things? How did you start healing it? Well, the first thing I did not do any more food eliminations. Um, I felt that at the time I had been eliminating enough. So, you know, if you go online, a lot of times the first things people will tell you to eliminate are gluten, dairy, and eggs. Well, I was already doing that. Um, I never heard of like a salicylate diet or low salicylate diet or low nickel diet, or a lot of these other diets until much later on when I was really in um, research mode. And I came across a bunch of different um, resources out there, but in terms of what I did, it was, I was just trying to make guesses of packing as much nutrients as I possibly could and thinking guessing at the time, because I didn't have a stool test or anything to go off of. I didn't have any way of ordering it, um, that there was probably some sort of possible gut issue. I've had, I have had gut issues. It's like my history for most of my life. So, um, I figured, well, there must be something, I don't know what. And it took a really long time to be honest with you. I did this crazy protocol um, for close to six months before I even noticed any change, like small, slight changes. And then around like eight months, um, I had very few flares. The flares got like further and further apart. And then by about 10 months, it had, they had totally stopped, but my nails, cause nails take longer to grow out. The nails were slowly starting to grow out more normal. Cause they had like weird pox and ridges. And I mean, I, I, I think that, um, for whatever reason, I don't know the reason exact reasons why, but, um, you know, with both with psoriasis and eczema, when there's involvement in the hands, you can sometimes have the nails really, um, get messed up. And so at this point I was like, I need to look deeper. And that's where, you know, my whole, I guess, framework of there being like these 16 different root causes 
that I've identified started to form of realizing that there's so many different factors, food only being one of those 16. I think a lot of times that's like the first thing they're like, Oh, I want to do something. And, you know, there are people, I mean, if you look up eggs in the diet, there's a book on that. Um, and my big beef with the diet only approach has just been that people, number one, get stuck on very restrictive diets. Number two, sometimes can't reintroduce foods. Number three, end up really nutrient depleted because sometimes they take out so many foods that the nutrient diversity really severely drops. And then four, you can actually cause yourself to develop intolerances to foods that you removed. And so you'll find that every time you attempt to reintroduce something, your skin goes crazy. I had one woman once uh, on my newsletter list, never forget this. She, I'd shared this pasta recipe or marinara recipe that I made fresh from my, my garden. Cause I grow tomatoes and things and my background is I'm Italian. And she was so mad at me. How dare you share a recipe with tomatoes? Don't you know how between them being nightshades and um, other, you know, histamine food, all this stuff. She's like, how dare you? I am so disappointed. And I asked her, I said, what exactly are you doing? And when she explained to me all the foods that she had taken out and that she couldn't reintroduce things, it was such a big light bulb moment for me to realize the damage that has been done by fixating so heavily just on food eliminations. Um, And so that's been one of my big pieces, especially in my client practice, people feel very relieved when I say, you know, I'd actually prefer you to start reintroducing foods because I'm concerned at the, um, the, the limitations you've placed on yourself, not only from a just purely happiness perspective and, and, and being able to enjoy foods, but also that you're not taking in enough nutrients and you don't want to be, you know, if you're not taking in enough nutrients, the reality is you have to supplement it because you, we don't make nutrients for the most part as just a human body. And, but yet you push back and don't want to take all these supplements. I said, at some point we have to find balance. And if you have created this mindset because of everything you've read and done, that food is somehow the enemy here, that's a very dangerous juxtaposition to put yourself into food eliminations can be helpful. And I'm happy to talk more about that as to when they're helpful and when they're not, but we have to be very careful not to cross this fine line of where we begin to see food as an enemy, because that not only just the stress of all of that, but like that, that you, you don't just let that go. Once your skin gets better, you keep that up. And it really, I mean, it's, it's an, it's, disordered eating, veering sometimes down the path to eating disorders. So I think we, as a, we're approaching skin issues, you have to be very cautious, very careful about how much you eliminate. Um, If you cannot see any improvement within a month, you need to seek out a practitioner who is trained in nutrition to help you sort that out because there are serious ramifications, especially from a nutrient perspective that can happen when you are not taking in enough 
um, food. And it will have a negative impact, not just on your skin, but other systems of the body as well. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think that's one of my, my favorite episodes that you posted on your podcast that made me go, wow, because obviously as a, you know, as a fellow nutritionist, it's something I really think about. And often, you know, that's kind of how clients are tuned. Like I'll just keep removing things to figure out what it is because it's going to be one thing, but it never is one thing. It's always a collection of things and like you said like you understand some of the big triggers or gluten or dairy or eggs but like you said if if you keep removing things that nutrient deficiency is real and there's diets like the autoimmune paleo protocol which are quite quite strict so when you're thinking about autoimmune conditions like psoriasis and whatnot and they're removing you know your eggs your nuts your seeds your nightshades your gluten-free grains like obviously your dairy um you it's it that there's so many things that you can't eat and it's so because I've been there and I've done that and I find how limiting that that is for people so when it comes to diet what do you focus on with clients obviously you do sometimes use elimination diets but is there things that you definitely try to include or definitely avoid or how do you how do you figure out what to add and what to take out it depends on what's going on. I hate to say that because yeah. everybody wants this like cookie cutter answer, yeah. but it actually depends. So there's some instances where, for example, if someone has a depleted microbiome where we, they don't have enough good gut flora, I might say, well, given the fact that, for example, this person doesn't have any bloating, gas, um, you know, anything that's more like a SIBO or small intestine bacterial overgrowth type presentation, I want you to add FODMAP foods back in because <laughs> I yes, want to feed yes. your microbiome. Oh, that is right? so good to hear that because so many people I see have been on FODMAPs for three or four I years know. and I'm like, what are you and doing? What are you right, doing? Right. That's, that is not good because after six to eight weeks, we know from research that the FODMAP diet, when you remove FODMAPs, it drastically impacts certain classes of bacteria in a very negative way. And so if you can't reintroduce the FODMAPs, it means the problem's not gone. And that means ultimately that you have bacteria there that are fermenting the FODMAPs. So you have to actually do something antimicrobial to get rid of them. The, the, the FOD, yeah. anti or low FODMAP diet is not enough. It's not sufficient. So there's instances like that. Like today I was on a call with someone and she has a very clear histamine overload picture where she's super itchy. She's got elevations in her eosinophils and total IgE level. Um, she, um, for example, is very sensitive to his high histamine foods like wine, cheese, cured meats, sauerkraut, anything fermented, like she just gets super itchy, can't deal with it. Um, and so in her instance, I said, listen, those are foods you're going to have to remove. Those are, that's also an instance where I don't recommend betaine HCL as a supplement. So you want to do like digestive enzymes, but only enzymes, not betaine HCL, because the increase in betaine HCL will contribute likely to a higher histamine picture. And then we want to figure out what's driving the histamine intolerance. It's not the food you should be able, and most people, you know, I go, did you 10 years ago have this problem? Everybody says no. 20 no. years ago, no, I can eat that just <laughs> fine. So it's not like you just woke up one day with like a DAO deficiency or something like that. There is something going on that's causing your histamine levels to be too high out the gate. So you can't really, you lose that tolerance, that flexibility to be able to handle ex 
environmental histamine exposures. And so that's where I want to start digging around in usually the microbiome to figure out what is going on there. Um, there are other instances where like for people who might not have a lot of um, butyrate in their system, like ghee, for example, and pistachios can be great foods. Ground flax seeds can be awesome, especially for people who are more on the constipative side. Um, also really trying to get people away from senna. Senna is an herb that sometimes people will like in yes. teas yes. to senna try tea. to go to the bathroom. Yep. But for everybody listening, senna is addictive to your colon. And so what that means is your colon becomes lazy and will stop functioning the way it's supposed to. So you really should not be taking anything with senna for longer than I, I don't know. I don't even know what the maximum amount of time is. I'm like, try to do it the minimum and like maybe once a week might be okay, but you should use other helpers to try to keep um, regular bowel movements happening. Senna should not be one of those tools. It's a last resort. Um, And so I try to figure out what may be the right fit. Um, Obviously, I don't have any judgment if someone is vegan, if someone is plant-based or someone has a more like carnivore keto style diet. I I, I just want people to find joy in food. I think we've demonized it much too much. Yeah. But we... We focus too little, like I'll give you this really quick example. I spoke with a woman earlier today and we finally got her stool test results back. And I had asked her what she had focused on before this, because I was just genuinely curious, like what, what did you focus on? What did people tell you to do? Because she had these, this eczema everywhere. And then she had all these underlying GI issues. And they told her, well, you know, dairy is really bad for eczema. It's a trigger. You should avoid dairy. So for years, she had religiously avoided dairy because of what people had told her. Well, she's been able to reintroduce dairy without any issue to her skin. And when we looked at her stool test today, she had cryptosporidium and giardia, which are two serious parasitic pathogens. She had H. pylori. She had overgrowth. She had all these other bad opportunistic bacteria, and she has fungal overgrowth. So again, tell me why exactly are you so fixated on dairy? And I didn't say that to her, but I said to her, isn't it a shame that all these years people fixated on food, blaming food for what was going on. And now you actually have answers as to why you've had trouble with food and you can start working on the actual problems. And she's like, yeah, I didn't, you know, one thing I'm realizing now is how much time I've lost. Yeah. Because I spent it so focused on just food. That was a big mistake. And I love that. I love that because what you're saying to me here is that you're looking for root causes. Everything you've said about food, you said, yeah, but what about the microbiome or what about this or what about that? So it comes back to, oh, wait a second. What's the cause of this skin rash? Like you said, it's it's not just going to be one food that you're eating and, and see if it goes away. There's so much more going on. So you've touched on a couple things, like you said, the low diversity of bacteria, uh, whether there's pathogen overgrowths. What are some, are there other hidden root causes or is it usually just those couple sort of things within the gut or what do you commonly see? No, there, that is not just it, which is so exciting. I, I get so excited about this. I wake up sometimes like first thing in the morning and I'm like, oh, so-and-so's protocol. I have to do this. And this person, I have to message that. Like I literally think about this all the time. I think sometimes my husband's like, can you turn it off? Yeah. 
And I'm like, no, I love it. So I think I, at least at this point in time, I have identified 16 root causes. And so I'll just run through them very quickly. Um, and then if people are interested, there is actually a whole podcast on this. Awesome. Um, so the first one is microbiome dysbiosis that can happen on the skin. It can happen in the gut, the guts command central. So if there's overgrowth internally in the gut, you're going to have an issue and other microbiomes because we have microbiomes everywhere in our mouth, our eyes, um, vaginally, um, you know, they find it on bladder. Like we're finding microbiomes everywhere, which is really cool and amazing. Um, you can also have hidden infections as well. I, I, I kind of lumped that in. So, um, you know, some people have Lyme disease, they have um, other hidden issues and even parasites too, aren't always in the GI tract. They can move. So you might have parasitic infections that are more systemic. There's also gut dysfunction. I had mentioned about betaine HCL, low stomach acid, poor enzyme production, um, even constipation and diarrhea, those are two opposite ends of the spectrum of too, having too slow of transit time, too fast of transit time, gas, bloating, belching, et cetera. Food reactions, diet issues, that's only one. That's, that's number three, actually. But it's just one piece of the puzzle, and that does include food allergies, um, by the way. And then we've got nutrient deficiencies, liver detox challenges, trauma, unmanaged stress, genetic issues, especially associated with filaggrin, though there are other genes that can be associated with some other conditions like psoriasis and whatnot, um, thyroid dysfunction, hormonal imbalances that are more along the lines of like blood sugar, um, sex hormone imbalances, and then autoimmunity. You can also have drug reactions. Some drugs can actually trigger the onset of skin mm -hmm. issues. Um, I have one client who took methotrexate for uh, inflammatory bowel disease and that triggered her psoriasis. So it is possible. Um, and then mitochondrial dysfunction, heavy metal, uh, exposure, toxicity, environmental toxins, and then environmental allergies. So those are the 16 and no, <laughs> in case anyone's listening, is like, oh my gosh, I have 16, not, you don't have all 16. So like before you get nervous, just be like, okay, there's not all 16, 16 possibilities. And you have some combination. Usually people have somewhere between like three to five, which is why it's why when Susie shares how amazing this diet and these particular supplements worked for her, and then you do what she did and it didn't work and you feel like a failure it's because her combo of root causes is different than yours. And that is why it's so important to start figuring out what your issues are. Um, and that's why I'm a big fan of like identifying what your root caused combo actually is. And your favorite way to start figuring these things out is what do you sort of typically do with a new client where you go, oh, shivers, because, you know, even that can be overwhelming. We're like, ah, oh, what one of these 16 am I, or what five am I dealing with? <laughs> is it, do you always start with a stool test or what's some of your other testing that you might run? Yeah. So I actually just start with listening. I like to listen to people's stories. Um, I also like to know where the rashes are, what flares them up, um, what the symptoms are of the, the rashes. Like people say, I have eczema. Like, that's great. I had eczema too, but my eczema was different than yours. So sometimes the, the place the rash shows up can be actually very significant. Um, sometimes the type of rash, like 
some people with psoriasis have some different concerns and considerations than people with eczema. Um, the same goes for like lichen sclerosis or dandruff. Like there's different concerns, different issues that are associated with those. Um, but also looking systemically. So not just at the skin, but also saying what else is going on as a whole, instead of doing the whole, like we, we self-edit a lot. And I think it's because in, in Western medicine, we've been um, conditioned of like, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. What is the, 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 the key thing that you can tell me in two minutes or less. <laughs> and we self-edit so much that we think, well, I do actually have headaches every day, but who cares? The doctor doesn't care about that. I want to hear about it all. I think it's all important. And so I start by listening. I like to see a good amount of regular conventional labs that you can get through, through a normal laboratory. And then looking at usually a stool test. Stool testing is really, really helpful for, for most cases. Sometimes we'll do like an organic acid test, which is a urine test. Sometimes a Dutch test, which is, a, is, a, is also a urine test. But my primary point of focus is usually a stool test and blood labs and then a super in-depth intake. That way I can take actual data and then all the data locked up in you because <laughs> you have a trove of information that no one else has access to. And that information is important when it's laid over the, the laboratory results. And that helps us figure out what's going on. But I also have two for people who are listening to this. If you're not, if you're like, how can I get started without, I have a, um, the skin rash root cause finder that is this really, it's not really long, but I think it's like 16 or 17 pages. And it goes through each one of these and you can go and check off the issues you have, and it will help to tell you where you should begin looking. Cause I think it's really important that we all start to have awareness that our body's symptoms, the things that don't seem right are actually its way of communicating with us, but we just don't know how to translate them. And so the skin is sort of, uh, sort of like the check engine light of your car telling you, you got to look deeper. Is often you hear that the skin is one of the last things to heal, which is why, mm -hmm. I mean, it's probably one of the key reasons you've got these 16 root causes or things to look for as well. But do you find that commonly in practice that it will be one of the last things once you've kind of got the other stuff sort of under wraps a bit or? Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. It's one of the most frustrating things because um, There's no quick fixes. Everyone, no, every so 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 steroid creams and antibiotics and antifungals, medications, biologics, immunosuppressants. Those are your highway to clearer skin. Now there are consequences to those. There are pros and cons to everything, and I think that we all should have the right to make the decision based off of as much information as we can possibly get. Um, with what you're comfortable with. I, I'm not anti-medicine. I think everyone has to choose whether you do a mishmash of both or, you know, you pick your way forward and I'm okay with that. I, it's not my job to, to, to shame someone or make them feel bad for whatever they so choose. But when you choose to actually address root causes and you do it from a more integrative standpoint, the skin is usually the last to get really fully resolved. And so you can still, even if say your gut issues, say you're working on things and you find out that you have all of these underlying issues, 
Um, some people have skin issues and have underlying microbi gut microbiome issues and poop like a normal person, like one to three times a day, no gas, no bloating, they have no GI symptoms whatsoever. Some people will have GI symptoms and skin issues. The GI symptoms will clear up and the mistake is thinking that the work was done. And then you can't figure out why the skin didn't get better. It's because the skin is still showing that there's a problem, even though the gas, the bloating, the diarrhea or whatever resolved, it doesn't matter. You still have to keep going. So unfortunately, yes, skin is the last thing a lot of times to get better because it's waiting for your thyroid to rebalance. It's waiting for your nutrient levels to get all the way filled up. It's waiting for the gut to resolve itself. It's waiting for all these other things that are more high priority to get rebalanced before it can finally be like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, yeah, I love that. And that would be true with any skin condition and that would be true with acne as well. For example, mm -hmm. like anything where the skin's going, something's not right here. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if, if I was listening, I'd be like, wow, that's so overwhelming. My skin is the last thing to heal. Obviously, I've got all this stuff going on. Can you pick or start or give around three things that listeners can do right now to start rebuilding healthy skin or to start pointing them in the right direction of, okay, I've got skin stuff going on. What do I do, Jen? The first thing I would say is to focus on supporting your liver. If you have chronic skin issues, it's very likely that your liver detox pathways are overwhelmed. And as I had said, liver detox challenges are one of them. It does not mean you do a detox. A lot of times people will find doing liver detoxes actually makes their skin worse. And so what I'm talking about is nutritionally supporting the pathways that require certain nutrients that oftentimes are overrun by what's happening elsewhere, especially in the GI tract. So I like to use, and I talk a lot about using glycine powder, which is an amino acid, um, vitamin B6, uh, specifically like the P5P form. Um, I can't tell you exactly what dosage of P5P you should take. To be honest, you have to be a little careful with B6 because you can overdo it. So ask your practitioner, ask your doctor what would be appropriate for you. Generally speaking, maybe somewhere between five to 10 milligrams a day could be more. I clinically use a high, higher dosages, but that's because I work with clients and I know how much they need. With glycine powder, it could be anywhere from three to five grams a day. Um, I would do that first. The second thing, obviously food does matter. So don't go into this mistaking that I'm saying you can eat a junk food ridden diet and it doesn't matter. That's not what I'm saying. Um, I do think it's important to at least 80 to 85% of your diet, try to eat real food. You know, um, if you find that you tolerate eggs just fine, then don't take eggs. Not every, not everybody with eczema, for example, sensitive to eggs. Not everybody with psoriasis is sensitive to nightshades. Not everyone is sensitive to dairy. Um, it, it's been this crazy thing. And I think we get a little too caught up with eliminate, eliminate, eliminate. So play around, give yourself a month, maybe two to play around with, with foods, add things in, think about what you can add into your diet. And then if you really can't figure that piece out of what you should be eating, then talk to, to a nutritionist, ask for some help. Um, some foods, as I mentioned, ghee is great, yeah, increased butyrate, as well as pistachios, ground flax seeds can be helpful, except for those who are more diarrhea prone. Um, I always tell people, try to increase your protein. So you're getting 70 to 80 grams a day. And um, 
And lastly, I would tell you to evaluate your stomach acid. So stomach acid is a serious problem. A lot of people have low stomach acid. And if that's the case, you are a allowing for your entire digestive system to basically be, it's like leaving your front door open and going on a vacation for three weeks. No, I seriously doubt anyone listening would do that. And when you don't have enough stomach acid, that's what happens. So every time you swallow, you're swallowing bugs, essentially bacteria, fungal, viral, parasitic whether it's in your saliva, the water, the food, whatever, you're giving it access to your GI tract. Um, you also are having a really hard time then breaking down proteins, breaking vitamins and certain minerals apart from proteins and food. And so um, you don't get access to that. So I would say, do what you can. I don't know what's available to, to you guys there in Australia. I have that low stomach acid test, which is bicarb and water. Um, that, that can be a really easy way to at least assess initially if there is or is not enough stomach acid present. And if there's not, then that's probably a good question to ask why, what's actually going on. The answer is not always to increase stomach acid. Um, if that's the case, uh, you know, then we have to question is H. pylori present? That's a really common infection in the world um, and other things. So that's a really good place to get started for anybody who's listening and know that, yes, your skin's connected to so many other other systems of the body. It's not just your skin. It's not just what you put on your skin. It's not just that you bought all of the allergen-free laundry detergent and soaps and everything. It's so much more than that. And I recognize that your dermatologist might not have any clue about what I'm talking about and that's fine. Um, but that's why I have the healthy skin show. <laughs> Cause yes. I, I want to create um, this body yeah. of work to show that there's so much more out there. I, I don't know how else to almost like push kicking and screaming, um, you know, dermatology, forward to say, listen, there's so much more going on. And, and this was the, the best way I could, I could think to do it. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I love that. That's awesome. There's so much helpful stuff in there, but so much actionable things as well. And like you said, your podcast is a wealth of knowledge. So for anyone listening, you can go over and find Jen there, obviously, and listen to her on repeat like I do uh, all day, every day. Uh, but otherwise, where else can people find you, Jen? I'm over on Instagram uh, at Jennifer Fugo. So you can find me there. And yeah, the podcast um, health. You can also for like a quick, easy way to find the podcast is healthyskinshow.com. It'll take you right to the podcast page on the website. And there you can find a ton of really great info, resources, all sorts of stuff um, that you're looking for. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have you here today. And yeah, there's there's so much nuggets of gold and things in there that I know people will just listen to again and again. So thank you for your time. And I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share and let's get women talking. 